Hello, Hoopaholics. It's Coach Spins here from the Box and One. I know it's been a while since we've come here on the YouTube channel with new NBA draft related content, but we are starting here because it's November. It's time for college basketball season to be upon us, which means the official kickoff of the meat and potatoes of the 2023 NBA draft cycle. So, with that, this is Mock Draft 1.0, picks 1 through 60 for how we believe this year's draft, given what we know at this point in time, is going to shake out. Standing atop this draft class is the prize of all prizes. Victor Weminyama, potentially the best player pre-draft that I've ever seen and scouted. Just an unbelievable combination of size and skill and fluidity. Really good on the defensive end of the floor because of his length. About an 8-foot wingspan, which sounds ridiculous to say. Protects the rim incredibly well. Can switch and move his feet on the perimeter as well as contest shots in space. He's continued to get better with his understanding and IQ of the game on both ends of the floor. And that is going to open up so much positional versatility, not just for him, but for any roster that has Wembenyama on it. The biggest strides he's taken to start this draft cycle as we've seen him play in head-to-head matchups with the G League Ignite as well as starting the international season is on the offensive end of the floor. He can be a true creator. He's good at knocking down tough jumpers in the mid-range and is better and more than just a pick-and-roll type of lob threat in somebody who scores near the basket. His three-point jumper has looked outstanding. He's always a threat in transition to be a rebound-and-run type of player. And he's starting to get a little bit better of a feel as a facilitator for others. But just his ground coverage and fluidity alone is worth investing in. There's a really good chance, but by the end of this draft cycle, Weminyama is widely regarded as one of the best prospects ever. Of course, right on his heels is Scoot Henderson, the best backcourt player in this draft, and somebody that would be a likely candidate to go number one in almost any other type of draft year. Six foot three and wildly athletic, Scoot Henderson is fantastic in the open floor when he plays with a runway. Hyper competitive and somebody that wants to fuel his team to victory. I love the fact that he doesn't force any type of shots. He's a very balanced player in terms of his scoring load and his facilitating for others, which is ideal at the point guard position. Henderson is outstanding when operating out of the pick and roll, plays with good pace, is a violent finisher at the basket, and has some witchcraft to his finishing ability, bends and contorts his body in difficult ways, as well as moves around the defense. I think he's an elite mid-range pull-up shooter. It's not something that he's consistently been able to get out to three-point range yet, although he's showing more confidence in taking pull-up jumpers from deep. However, the ability to score in the mid-range is going to unlock so many different aspects of his game, not just his rim finishing ability, but also his playmaking and passing for others. He's underrated somehow in that regard. Six foot three, good size, good athleticism, solid enough on the defensive end of the floor. I'm a big, big fan of Scoot Henderson and think this year's Ignite team is much better built around him. And as a result, we'll see his numbers explode, not just showing flashes of what he can do on highlight tapes, but consistent night-to-night impact as a driving force of winning. In terms of just natural athletic tools, Amen Thompson of the Overtime Elite program stands out as one of the most gifted that we've seen in a long period of time. 6'7 or 6'8 with fluid athleticism in terms of his change of speed, change of pace, and ability to finish above the rim. 
the combination of a great first step and rim finishing ability is going to allow him to be an elite scorer at the basket. He doesn't have the mid-range game right now, though he is a little bit crafty in some ways, and definitely doesn't have the ability to score from three. What I love about Amen Thompson, two things. First, his on-ball defense. Really, really good in isolation situations, uses his athleticism well, super, super smart. The second thing is his playmaking and passing ability for others. That's what's going to allow him to continue to operate with the ball in his hands at the NBA level. He can create for and make those around him better. I remain really high on Derek Whitehead of Duke as an NBA type of player and scorer. Six foot six with really good athleticism when he gets a head start and just a ferocious attack mentality. He has that I'm not going to be denied type of attitude and there's something about that that I find not just endearing for a prospect, but worth betting on. Whitehead is good at attacking the basket and scoring near the hoop, but he's also very good at pulling up on a dime and creating shots from the perimeter that really come without a ton of space. He's not a great separator by any means, but he takes tough shots and knows how to get to his mid-range pull-up. I would classify him more as a tough bucket maker than somebody who gets and generates a ton of easy looks for himself or his teammates right now. But I think that as he continues to get a little bit faster and maybe more explosive, that ability is going to come. There's also something that I really like about his just ability to thrive off of contact. Not a lot of guys at his age are going to do that. A lot of them tend to be a little bit more finesse players and jump shot based, even though they have natural tools and athleticism. Whitehead is able to play through physicality and contact, and he's an underrated playmaker on the move. That's one thing that I hope gets to pop this year at Duke, even though he's playing with two separate point guards. Because of that, I think he's got a really high ceiling to impact the game in plenty of ways at the NBA level. Just in terms of his power and athleticism, Cam Whitmore belongs as a lottery pick, but from what I've seen up close and personal over the last year, his improvements in the skill category, if they keep going, are going to get him into the top five. A freak athlete at about 6'6", maybe 6'7", incredibly powerful, can handle and play in the full court. He's just going to get one or two dunks a game, and there's nothing a defense can really do to stop him in that regard. He knows how to be impactful on the defensive end to get out and run the floor in transition. He's made huge strides as a jump shooter over the last year or so. It was a weak spot in his game. It's a slower release, and he does need time to be able to get it off, but if there's going to be a defender that respects the explosiveness of his first step and the strength that he plays with once he gets somebody on his shoulder, he's going to have the room to rise up and take a lot of these jumpers. Self-creation, particularly in the mid-range, is going to be something he has to work on, but he does have a dependable step back when going to his left. I see an incredibly high ceiling for a guy like Whitmore at the NBA level and think that even if this isn't the ideal year for him at Villanova, he's a no-brainer top 10 pick. One of the fastest risers up our draft boards is Brandon Miller at Alabama. And if you listen to the intel about him, both internally in that program and those who have just seen them play over the summer and fall periods, you don't hear anything but glowing recommendations about Miller. He plays a very isocentric style of basketball, pretty mid-range heavy in some regard, but he's got great size at about 6'8" plays that wing isolation scorer position, and really is able to show a deep bag of tricks one-on-one. -on -one. If he's able to stretch that range out to three and or be consistent enough to prove that he belongs on an NBA floor as a top option, then the top five or six is absolutely the type of area that he should be drafted in.
There are still some parts to his game that I want to see improve, like consistency from three, rim pressure, and defensive capability, but there's no doubt he is quickly rising to become an elite prospect in this class. Look on most mainstream draft mock sites and you'll see Nick Smith being one of the first players mentioned when you get outside the big three here of Victor, Scoot, and Amen Thompson. There's a reason for that. Nick Smith has the ability to be an explosive scorer on all three levels. Incredibly crafty with his handle and space creation. One of the things that I like most about Smith is his ability to play on ball and off ball. He's really good at running off screens has that ability to hit tough pull-ups and create his own jump shot, and stretches defense way beyond the three-point line. I think my biggest area of concern for Smith, aside from his slightly skinny frame, is just the ability to get to the rim consistently. I see him more as a guy that's going to be best served as a jump shooter playing well, with somebody who creates a lot of easy opportunities for him, as well as a tough mid-range creator in late clock situations. Arkansas is going to be able to put him in spots where he plays both on ball and off ball, both of which are really important for NBA scouts to see long term. In case you haven't noticed, natural scorers are the guys that are going to be rising up to the top half of the lottery in our first mock drafts here, and that's why Keontae George out of Baylor also finds himself in this group with guys like Miller and Nick Smith. George is a polished scorer, particularly out of ball screens and in the mid-range area. Plays with a certain amount of just punishment that he's able to put on his one-on-one -on -one defender, relentlessness in attacking, and the ability to get nuclear hot from the field. I really want to see how he fits into this Baylor system that has multiple guards this season and see how he's able to play off of other guys who might need more reps on nights when they get going. But George has the ability to play off ball because of his shooting range and ability. Yes, he's very good at creating his own shot and being more of a focal point of an offense. I think that's ultimately one of the big reasons the team should draft him. But he should also be able to fit in well next to other stars, hitting shots off of handoffs, screens and movement, and playing as a spot up threat. I think Keontae George is a near lock to be a top 10 pick this coming season. On draft night, I think he can end up anywhere from 3rd to 10th overall. Increasingly over the last couple years, we've seen NBA teams draft over ceiling and high school pedigree, and that's why I think Gigi Jackson has as good of a shot to be a top 10 pick, despite not being fully confident that he's going to put all of his skills and upside on display this year for South Carolina. There are a couple reasons for that. One. Jackson is one of the youngest players playing Division I basketball and is going to be thrust into a situation where there's a lot of offensive creation role put upon him. He is a guy that thrived in high school in AAU circumstances as more of a play finisher, somebody who's an undersized big playing near the basket. But we've seen increased flashes of scoring ability off the bounce. If those flashes show real, even if not consistent, he's the chance to be a really good pick. As we get to the latter parts of the top 10 here, we just want to go based off of consistency, and that's where Derek Lively, the big man for Duke, just has a very dependable type of game that we can count on. Seven foot one with really long arms and explosive leaping ability, he has already proven to be a fantastic rim protector for his age. Now, Lively can be a top 10 pick and somebody that doesn't even need to be a great offensive contributor to be valued by an NBA team because there's upside for him to be switchable on the perimeter. If he can be great in drop coverage and switch on the perimeter, he can be really versatile for the defensive team 
that ends up drafting him. On the offensive end of the floor, pretty much everything for Lively is catch and finish near the basket. He's good in transition, plays with a high motor, great kid and has a thought of intangibles that he brings to the table, but needs everything created for him. Almost everything's either at the basket or something he's been working on in his game is the consistency of a spot-up jumper from three, particularly in the corners. If he's somebody that adds that to his game this year at Duke, I think NBA front offices are really going to like what he brings to the table. Solid, dependable defense with high upside to play in multiple schemes, as well as this ability to shoot the ball from three and play off of other stars. As we reach the range where we look more for dependable and reliable players, Cason Wallace out of Kentucky certainly checks a lot of those boxes. A really high intangibles type of guy, plays tough as nails, does all of the dirty work for his team, and has a decent amount of skill to go with it. I do believe that the Kentucky effect is real for guards, that they tend to play a lot better in the NBA with a more free-flowing system than they do at Kentucky, but that John Calipari does an awesome job of identifying talent. Kaysen's very good in that mid-range area in terms of his self-creation, got a reliable floater, not the most explosive guy at the rim, but I do believe that he is a solid jump shooter and a decent enough passer to cobble together something on the offensive end of the floor. The main appeal for a guy like Wallace is his defensive ability. He can be a lockdown guy at the one or the two positions, incredibly valuable. Anthony Black has a lot of toolsy intrigue as a big point guard, somebody that just knows how to navigate traffic and make plays for others. I think he's a solid athlete, somewhat underrated in that regard, and has the ability to make an impact at the point of attack on defense. But he's not a great athlete by any means, and that shows up in how right-hand dominant he is when he tries to finish at the basket. Now, the best part of Black's game right now is his playmaking ability. He's got an elite feel in terms of how he creates for others out of ball screens and just on broken plays. Does rebound pretty well and effectively, and I think he's a, a solid defender. Not great by any means, but very solid. The weak part in Black's game right now is his shooting ability, both off the dribble from 15 feet and out and in his catch-and-shoot ability. But there's a lot that NBA teams can fall in love with with his size and passing ability. Slight rise here from Jarris Walker out of Houston to find his way into the lottery. About six foot eight with a seven foot wingspan, just a walking, strong, tough, physical foreman. And playing at Houston is really going to prepare him on the defensive end of the floor. I think he has the ability to guard a couple different positions because he is decently quick, but he's not going to be an elite athlete in terms of his ground coverage laterally on the defensive end. There are some things to clean up on the offensive side of the floor as well. Consistent of his jumper and the speed of which he releases it, but he knows how to use his frame really well and is a decent guy at just putting his head down and going and attacking the basket. Underrated playmaker and passer for others, particularly in the high post area where he's going to be used a lot at Houston this year. He's a really fascinating prospect. We're back with Asor Thompson to round out the lottery, and Asor has a lot of the same high upside abilities that his brother Amen does, while not necessarily having them to the same degree. 
very good athlete, toolsy defender, great in the open court, and just a natural passer and playmaker for others. It's really easy to fall in love with those highlights when you watch a sore play. I think he brings a lot of intangibles to the table, but he just has that one area with the missing ability to score for himself, particularly in his ability to shoot from deep that's going to plague him a little bit. I think he's got a really high ceiling, and if he ends up showing progress as a shooter, could go much higher than 14th, but the later part of the lottery seems like a safe place to put him, given his constraints. Again, really high ceiling for a soar, but the lack of three-point range and ability to consistently create shots for himself leaves us just a little bit worried about what his role will be. He may end up being suspended for the first half of the season, but Baba Miller's tool bag is incredibly deep. About 6'11", with fluid guard skills and somebody who loves to play in transition, Miller's upside fits exactly what NBA teams are looking for on both ends of the floor. It's not just the fact that he's long and plays in the open floor, but can get to the rim and finish above the rim. Athletically, he's very, very fluid. And it's the shooting ability that really impresses me. Not just catch and shoot, and deep range, but the upside to be a movement shooter. There's just so many things that he can do. Now, really raw in so many areas, particularly as a passer and playmaker, even though he's shown flashes on that end of the floor. It's going to take some time for him to become a functional NBA player, but I believe the tool bag is way too deep for teams to just simply pass up on him and let him fall any farther in the draft. Speaking of raw and having incredibly high upside, Khalil Ware for Oregon is one of those high upside bigs that NBA teams can be tantalized by. Seven feet tall with really good finishing and explosive athleticism near the basket. He showed a deep bag of tricks when he played at the high school level this year, not just in his finishing ability near the basket, but his comfort level as a defender near the rim. Those are things that you are always looking for. Somebody who can be an elite finisher and rim protector if you're going to be seven feet tall. But Ware also checks other boxes, not just on the defensive end, but the offensive end of the floor. He's somebody that shows flashes of being very comfortable as a jump shooter from three and a self-creator when he has a lot of leeway within an offense. I think that there's going to be some growing pains for Ware at Oregon, but there's undoubtedly an incredibly high upside for him to be a perimeter-oriented big man with a ton of skill at the NBA level. He could easily end up being a top eight guy in this year's class, but 16th overall seems like a pretty safe bet preseason. Another prospect receiving rave reviews in the early part of the season is Tyrese Proctor, the six foot five point guard playing at Duke. He's gonna be a little bit more of a connector piece this year, not the main cog in their offense as a creation tool, but somebody who thrives in ball screens and is a really good head down driver to attack the basket or proactive passer based on what teams give him in the pick and roll. The combination to play strong and physical at his size, as well as dissect defenses with the pass, is gonna make him really appealing to NBA teams. Now the biggest area that Proctor has worked to improve is in his shooting ability, particularly his catch and shoot impact so he can play off ball. I think there's still a little bit of worry about how he ends up scoring outside of 10 feet, but at the end of the day, I'm willing to bet on somebody who's smart, who plays with good size for their position, and is improving as a jump shooter off ball. I think there's a lot that Tyrese Proctor brings to the table and believe he's really comfortably a top 20 pick in the upcoming 2023 NBA draft. I've long been a fan of Nikola Jurisic, the wing out of Mega, because of his shoot, sh sweet shooting stroke, excuse me, 
and ability to score in physical areas. I think he's going to be a really good complementary piece at the NBA level. And anytime you get to the later parts of the first round, you're probably looking for one of two things. Somebody who's just going to be a very solid role player or an incredibly flawed high upside type of prospect. And I think Jurisic goes to be a little bit more of that complementary piece because of his shooting range. He can do it off one or two bounces as well as off the catch. Plays a very smart brand of basketball in terms of how he creates for others and just looks very natural when he's on the floor. There are some defensive worries that we absolutely have about his game and we do believe that he needs to be more efficient and less streaky as a three-point shooter this year, but I do believe that there is a really good complementary role player in here. Finally, we get a returning prospect, Terquavion Smith from NC State. is a guy we think is going to go 19th overall in our preseason mock. Explosive score, 6'2", 6'3", very skinny frame, but isn't necessarily afraid of contact. The thing that Terquavion brings to the table is being a deep range shooter. It's going to allow him to be that microwave scorer off the bench for an NBA team. I think he's wired to be more of a score first guy and has an unbelievable amount of confidence. He plays with good pace, is a solid athlete in terms of his ability to attack the basket, but I love that he can play off ball as well. Already a very good catch and shoot threat. Somebody who can play with deep range and knows how he looks next to somebody else who's more of a wing first option. I think Terquavion's going to have a bright NBA future, just not quite sure if his explosive scoring is going to translate to being a number one type of option. I'd caution people on getting a little bit too high on Terquavion this year as well. He definitely has things to clean up on the defensive end of the floor, as well as his efficiency with finishing at the basket. Two things he didn't do well as a freshman. From a preseason prediction standpoint, the later parts of the first round is always a crapshoot because you never know which one-and-done prospects are really going to carve out a future for themselves after just one season in college. And Dylan Mitchell is somebody that gets mentioned a ton as a lottery type of prospect because of his insane athleticism. He knows how to use it on the defensive end and in the open floor. Absolutely explosive as a finisher and a dunker, somebody that knows how to back cut in the half court and be a lob threat. But it is that offensive ability in the half court that I'm still waiting on before I'm ready to claim him not just a one-and-done type of prospect, but somebody that is deserving of lottery type of attention. His offensive role is still largely unknown. Another freshman that I would be willing to bank on ends up getting his name called on draft night this year is Jalen hood Shafino for Indiana. 6'5", 6'6", really good size to be more of a point guard or combo guard. Knows how to use his body and physicality. Has a good frame and isn't afraid of contact and is also a contortionist near the basket. You can see him make a ton of really tough buckets at the rim. Jalen was outstanding at Montverde next year, playing next to Duke prospect Derek Whitehead, and I think he's absolutely going to blossom in a system in Indiana that's a little bit more catered to him being the number one option in terms of perimeter creators and scorers. Very good playmaker in the mid-range area, has the ability to hit tough pull-up jumpers, as well as good floaters and is a solid passer for others. That playmaking ability at his size and physicality pairs really well with the style of game he plays. Yes, Huchifino has to become a little bit more consistent as a three-point shooter. Stretching his pull-up jumper out to three is going to allow him to be guarded differently 
and open up different parts of his game that he's already good at, including hostage dribbles, playing with pace, and snaking ball screens. But I think opportunity is clearly there for Huchifino, a solid guy in the defensive end of the floor and a very underrated passer. If he can help the Hoosiers get back to national prominence as a freshman, he's going to drive a lot of NBA scouts to watch his game tape and fall in love with who he is. The first true upperclassman to make our mock draft is Chris Murray out of Iowa. Now his twin brother Keegan is already playing a successful role in the NBA for the Sacramento Kings. And Keegan, Keegan took a huge step forward last year in college basketball. I don't think that same breakout is going to happen for Chris Murray because their games are wired differently. Chris is much more of your stereotypical 3 and D type of wing, more catch and shoot based solid and long arm on the defensive end of the floor, makes very few mistakes offensively. I don't see him turning into this miraculous creator in one-on-one -on -one situations this year at Iowa because he's a very methodical driver, but does have a future as an NBA prospect, being much more of a floor spacer and dependable defender. Another guy I'm super high on is Judah Mintz at Syracuse. I think he's very underrated in terms of some of the more polished guards that we talk about coming into college basketball and being ready to score. Mintz is an underrated athlete, very good at just worming his way to the basket and being able to finish with craft. But one of the things that I like most about his game is how comfortable he seems to be in that mid-range area. He can learn and add a lot about how to utilize ball screens in the right way, but he's already comfortable at taking small amounts of space and turning them into advantages for him and how he plays his style of basketball. Like his pull-up jumper, particularly in the mid-range area, but think he does have a chance to stretch it out to three and do believe that his jump shot is something that is good enough to make him a solid threat on the perimeter. Not a great guy to play off ball, much more of a point guard than a true combo, but I think he's poised for a huge year. A lot of NBA scouts will be watching the G League Ignite this year to take part of the Scoot Henderson experience, and City Sissoko is one of the prospects who stands to gain the most as a result. Really toolsy, six foot six, six seven kind of wing front court player who's a fantastic passer. I think that's the one area in his game that stuck out to me most in watching his European film. Now, he's more of a, a positionless type of player. Offensively, likes to operate more with the ball in his hands and be that point guard type of initiator, something he won't do a ton of with the G League Ignite, but it's nice to know the playmaking ability is there. I think he's also a better wing and physical wing type of defender on the defensive end of the floor. The jump shot is a question mark, and if he's able to knock down enough of them by playing off ball next to Scoot, he's gonna have a scalable type of role to the NBA while having toolsy athletic and passing traits. At this stage of the game, I'm really intrigued by what Sissoko brings to the table. Word on the street is that Adem Bona at UCLA is absolutely killing it. You can see the strength and ferocious athleticism that he plays with for a big man, as well as having an incredibly high motor. Bona is not a massive big man. He's about six foot nine, but he plays a lot bigger while having that ferocity and a little bit of skill level to be a unique type of matchup for opposing big men. He can handle a little bit in ball screens, likes spin moves, can get out and rebound and run, and is a good passer out of the post. I would not consider him a very polished scorer at this level of the game. Everything's based on his strength, athleticism, and mismatch handling ability. At the NBA level, his offensive game is going to have to evolve beyond post-up, something that he appears to be most comfortable with in using his strength in a half-court setting. 
I think Bona does have some upside to be a decent defender despite not being the tallest big man that you might see. Solid standing reach, instincts to be able to block shots on the defensive end of the floor, and not the worst switching ability in the world that we've seen. I don't think it's something that I would do by design with a guy like Bona, but if he gets caught in a switch, I think he's going to more than hold his own against great level athletes. Those who watch the content here on the Boxing One know that we're big fans of Jordan Hawkins and are expecting a sophomore breakout for him this year at UConn. Really good athlete at about six foot five, and as a freshman, his game popped as being more of a spot-up shooter and a complementary piece. He only shot 33% from deep, but he was very streaky and got off to a great start to the season while having pristine form. The two areas of Hawkins' game that I expect to take big leaps this year, first and foremost is his finishing ability. He's a really good athlete and somebody that can attack the basket and be more than just a spot-up piece. I think that he's due for a regression to where his game should be, which is a positive move for him. The second thing is self-creation. I believe in his pull-up jumper. It's not something that is going to make him be a top three type of offensive threat at the NBA level, but is a good break glass in case of emergency piece. The strength in Hawkins' game is his defensive aptitude. If he can be a lockdown defender one through three, he's going to be able to have enough different ways to impact the game on offense to stay on an NBA floor. The big man out of Spain, James Naji, is going to be a first round pick in our opinion because he has really good athleticism, timing on the defensive end of the floor, and knows how to play on that side. He's very good at protecting the rim, plays in drop coverage, is a good athlete and shot blocker. Those things translate to impact at the NBA level. Now, most teams are going to look for a little bit more skill at the position out of the bigs, and Najee certainly doesn't have the offensive skill to boot. Everything he has on that side of the floor is in terms of catching lobs or being a roll man threat to the basket. That said, I think that just his impact as a roll gravity type of big, as well as a decent shot blocker, is going to get him picked somewhere in this year's draft, and I think that he has upside to be a first rounder. He definitely needs a few more years to develop his game though. One of my favorite returning players in college basketball and just a flat-out winner is Marcus Sasser at Houston. I think they have a chance to legitimately win a national championship this year with Sasser as the number one offensive option and leader at the helm. On the offensive end of the floor, pretty much everything that he does comes from either the mid-range and tough buckets or self-creation from three. Yes, he can play off-ball because he's a good shooter, but right now the predominant amount of his buckets come in tough isolation or pick and roll situations. Now, he's not great at finishing near the basket, and I do want to acknowledge that as being somewhat of a crutch for an undersized guard, but he is good from the other two levels, particularly with the pace that he hits all of those pull-up jumpers at. Very, very smooth and is not gun shy at all. The ability to play off ball is really big for NBA teams when looking at smaller guys because so many number one options in the league are bigger wings or actually big men. Now, Sasser gets drafted because he's a fantastic defender at the point of attack. That disruptor who can come off of the bench for a high level team and really just annoy opposing point guards, some coaches absolutely love to have a guy like that. And Sasser is a textbook one-on-one -on -one defender, somebody who can really disrupt in a non-switching scheme opposing guards at the NBA. He definitely has a chance to be a late first round, if not second round, early target for an NBA team. 
Sophomore Harrison Ingram at Stanford has a lot of really appealing parts to his game. Six foot eight or six nine with a seven foot wingspan and very good on the defensive end of the floor. He's more of a handling, rim attacking type of player with very good passing ability. Not a natural scorer by any means, but uses just his ability to drive contact, play through power, and get to the basket to just convert. Now, I don't think he's an explosive athlete, nor is he somebody that's going to drill a ton of jumpers that he creates for himself. That puts a lot of pressure on Ingram to become a much better catch-and-shoot option so he can play off-ball in the NBA. But there's a role for him somewhere as a mismatch playmaking type of forward, someone who's really deliberate in how he plays and can take smaller players into the post. I think Ingram's defensive ability is what makes him a very solid, reliable prospect, even though he has some weak points in his game right now and areas that he has to address this year at Stanford. We close out the first round of our mock with Kyle Filipowski. Yes, the fourth player out of Duke to be mentioned here. Filipowski is a pick-and-pop, floor-spacing type of big man, somebody who can play mostly the five but also the four on the offensive side of the floor. Really streak, sweet stroke, high release, and more competent off the bounce than he gets a lot of credit for. Good at creating space for his own one dribble jumper, as well as in the open floor being able to get to the basket. He has an advanced handle and is a decent playmaker. Putting him in pick and pop actions at the NBA level with the way that the floor is spaced, I think is gonna be really beneficial for a team. There are clear defensive challenges that lie ahead for Filipowski athletically, but I think some NBA team would be wise to give him a chance as a floor spacing big.